0: Hello and welcome to the Life Church audio podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey Life Church, so good to be with you again. We are continuing on with our series called Wake Up the House. But allow me to pray for, pray for all of you and for us before we start. Father God, we thank you We thank you that we can gather around and know that you have a desire to speak to us from your word. And I pray that the word that's going to reach our hearts today, Father, that it will penetrate our hearts and that we will apply it to our lives because it's not just good information. It's it's application things that, that you give us in your word to influence our lives so that we can live a life that's beyond blessed. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So so we're in our series called Wake Up the House and we are busy specifically focusing on how to live a life that is beyond blessed. And the reality is as the body, as the church, as Christians, we should wake up to the principles that's in God's word, apply them to our lives so that we can influence the world that's beyond us. Now, beyond blessed means uh, that blessing don't end with me. It's not that God, I'm praying for blessing in my life so that I can be blessed. Beyond blessed means God, I'm praying for blessing so that I can be a blessing to others. So, today, um, in regards to living a life that's beyond blessed, we are going to focus on 10 financial instructions that we find from God's word. But it's very important to remember at Life Church, we believe and we teach and we live this. We get to give, we don't give to get. We're not trying to manipulate God or force God into anything, but we get to give because His blessing is so amazing in our lives. I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to the first two, please go and listen to, to session one regarding beyond living a life beyond blessed. Because it gives us context and foundation, and we're going to keep building on that. So go and listen to that. So our goal... Our goal as a church and as a body is to live a life that's beyond blessed. Meaning God's blessing is going to flow through us the church into the world and people are going to experience God's goodness. Now living a life that's beyond blessed requires two legs. And the two legs are generosity and stewardship. Many of us we know generosity and many of us we know stewardship. But the problem is if you don't use both legs, all you're going to do, if you're only generous and you're not a good steward, you're simply gonna walk with one leg and that means you are always just gonna walk in circles. And many people who I've spoken to feel like they are walking in circles in their finances and in their lives. It requires us as believers to use both legs in our lives to live a life that's beyond this. Stewardship and generosity. We also have to understand ownership and stewardship. I, you, me, all of us, we are stewards. I am a steward. God is the owner. Stewardship is to protect, but also to expand the resources of another. That's why living a life that beyond blessed is so important. Stewardship means, God, I'm going to protect what you've given me, but I'm also going to expand the resources you've given me. And I'm going to become a blessing to other people. God wants his resources to be expanded beyond you and me. Whatever you have, it is given to you with the purpose that you can become a blessing to other people. So, this week we're going to look at 10 financial instructions that we find in God's word in regards to how we can live a life that's beyond blessed. Where blessing doesn't just end with us, but it starts with us. Now, Robert Morris from the book Living Beyond Blessed, and this is what we're basing the series upon, he calls them 10 financial commandments. I don't think they are commandments. It's, it's like um, buying something and you get an instruction manual um, that you need. In order to assemble the product that you've bought, they are not called instruction, sorry, they're not called assembly commandments, they are calling assembly instructions. Now it's the same for us in our financials, in living a life that's beyond bliss. God has given us instructions on how we can live a life that's beyond bliss, it's not commandments. It's your choice if you want to apply them or not. Some of us apply instructions, but we don't apply them all the way. And then what happens is you might end up with something that's working for a short while, but then it breaks because you didn't follow all of the instructions. Even though this product, this thing that God has given us about having a life that's beyond this has got a lifetime guarantee on it to work for all eternity, Unfortunately, you didn't apply the principle, so it's only working for a few years until you get into a different situation or season in life, and suddenly you're in trouble. Stewardship I want you to understand this stewardship is not dependent on how much you have, and th- that's why we want to teach our children <laughs> when they are kids to be good stewards with the little they get. Because stewardship, I know people who have very little and they are really bad stewards. But I also know people who have a lot of money and finances and they are also very bad stewards. So we're not talking about how much money you have or how much money you make or how much resources you have. We are talking about how you think about stewardship and ownership. And our thoughts regarding stewardship and ownership will influence how we are going to apply God's financial instructions that He's given us in His Word. Because I want to say again, it might be working for you right now, but how about five years from now? Are you living under God's protection within His instruction? Only you can answer that. And I'm hoping that you are setting yourself up for a future where you can be a person, a family, a couple, a marriage that that live a life that is beyond bliss. So so let's look at the the, the 10 financial instruction. I'm going to line them up with the 10 commandments because this might help you to remember them better. Number one, the first one, put God first. Put God first. You can say this, put God first. In Exodus 20 verse three, we read the following. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, we've talked some about tithing in the past and giving. And we've spoken about tithing, and we know that tithing means 10%. Giving God your first 10%. And the reason why this is important for us to get and why we have to apply this principle of giving God our first means, it means that we are saying, God, we trust you and we honor you as our source of resources for our lives. We're gonna read a story in 1 Kings 17, and we can learn from this event about what happens in our lives when we put God first. Now, this is during a famine, and the story is about Elijah, and, and there's a famine, there's a pandemic, but this famine has been going for three and a half years, three years and six months. So something hard is going on in society, people are struggling. People are dying of hunger. So Elijah, so let's read. So Elijah, so he arose and he went to Zerapath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And God told him to go to this widow. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, listen to that declaration. I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son. She's a widow and she only has one son. That we may eat and listen and die. This is our last. We. This is our last meal. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, but do as you have said. Watch what Elijah says to the widow, Um, who has one meal left. Listen to this. But make me a small cake from it first. Go and do what you said. Take the flour, take the oil, take the sticks, make the bread, but make it to me first. The servant of God first. Notice the word first. But make me a cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself or your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel the bin of flour shall not be used, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So Elijah, get the story. This woman's starving. She has a son. One meal left. Elijah says, Give it to me first. And if you do this, God, God is going to make sure that you will not die. You will not starve. This, this terrible famine, it's not going to take your life. Now, I want you to picture this. Elijah is God's guy. Elijah is the one that pronounced that there is going to be no rain. He's the, the one that God has been using. He's God's guy, God's guy for that time. And have you ever wondered why God didn't send his guy to a rich person, to rich people? Because let's be honest. If we had to solve this problem in the natural, Elijah is hungry, he's been hiding. We would have sought out rich and wealthy people to solve the problem. That's where we will go. So why didn't God send Elijah to a rich person? Here's what many of us think. Here is what many of us think. You ready? Here's what many of us think. Nothing. We don't think. Many of us don't think about this. We don't think about the reasons why God did this. Many of us just listen to this message. It goes in and it goes out. We don't think. But here is what some of us think. Some of us who do think, think the following. God sent Elijah to her so she could provide for Elijah a cake because he was hungry. That's why God sent him there. But here's what I know and what I believe. God sent Elijah to her. So God could provide for her. Follow his instructions and see my provision. People think God wants us to tithe so the church can be taken care of. No. God wants you to tithe so that you can be taken care of. And it's not just about resources. So much more is involved in putting God first. This widow had one meal left. And her son had a terminal disease and he dies a few months after this. And Elijah raises her son from the dead. See, when you put God first, it's more than just finances and resources that come in order. Your family comes in order when you serve his instructions. Your purpose, your hope, your life, the direction that you are going All of it comes in order because He is first. And His plans for you are good. And when you then get a testimony about about God's provision in your life, and then when difficulty comes, you already know that He's got you. So fear and stress and anxiety, they do not have a hold on you anymore. So number one, I want you to get this. Please hear me. Put God first. Number two, don't worship material things. Second instruction, Exodus 20, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. A carved image is an idol, and an idol is something you put before God. So these, this one and this and the first one kind of line up. Have you ever put material things before God? Let me ask you that. Think about it. I have. I've done it. I've repented from it. And, and some of us don't even know that we've done it. Have you ever bought something that you regret buying and you knew You knew you were going to regret it. You knew it was a mistake even before you bought it. Have you ever saved up for something? And this is where a lot of people live. I'm I'm saving up for the car. I'm saving up for that house, for future plans, for studies. I'm saving up for this or that. And then what happens in our savings and our, our desire to save up enough money? We neglect God. You may even be tithing now or been tithing in the past. But you stop because you just need to save up for this thing first. I can't afford to tithe right now. Listen, you can't afford not to. You are the only one that knows where you are at in regards to putting God first and having idols in front of Him, having other things more important than Him. So these are financial instructions on, on how to be a good steward, but also how to live a life that is beyond blessed. Because without God, we cannot. When you value your savings account more than God, you are not following his instructions. You want God in your savings. Hear me. You want God in your savings. I've heard he's the best at it. Now, number four or number three. I don't want to skip one. Don't use God's name selfishly. It says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, um, what do you think of when you think of a vain person what goes through your head when you think oh that person's vain we think of a person that worships his at his own altar right it's It's about him. He spends more time looking in the mirror than looking at you. If there's a reflection in the back behind you, you constantly find themselves just looking behind you to see how they're looking. They just want to make sure that everything looks good, right? They just want to make sure that they are fine. That they focus on themselves and they don't see you. Prideful. Prideful people. Selfish people. Where their identity is based on their outside, what they drive, where they live, what clothes they wear. This scripture says, do not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Now, this word vain actually means selfishly. I think a lot of people use God's name in vain, selfishly. In other words, we're praying for material things in Jesus' name, but it's just for us. It's just so that I can look better. Even salvation, please hear me. Many people have the vanity, the selfish mind attitude of thinking, I'm saved now, I'm good, I don't have to care about others. Salvation is supposed to be shared with others. Don't be selfish in it and with it. Now, it's okay to pray for your needs. Jesus taught us, give us today our daily bread. No problem with that. We should pray, but it should line up with stewardship and generosity with a love for people. Now, I've bought things in the past in vain that I regret because I knew before I bought them that it was in vain. I knew it, but I convinced myself that I prayed about it and that God wants me to have it because it is cool. It smells great. I'm going to look so good in it. People are going to love it when I drive up in that thing. Hear me. For your life. God doesn't want you to spend yourself into death for vanity and pride. It's not worth it. Selfishness. Because what happens now, now I'm spending myself into vanity and pride. And now because I can't afford it, I have nothing left over to be generous with. So number one, I was a bad steward. Number two, generosity is out the door. Because I've got nothing available To be a blessing to others. I've experienced the blessing of being a good steward. But I've also experienced the consequence of it. And I'm so thankful for God's grace. Number four. Be a good steward. Which lines up perfectly with this. And this relates to the fourth commandment. In Exodus 20 verse 9. It says six days you shall labor. And do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall do no work. God is saying to you. God is saying to me. To be a good steward. Of our time, of your energy, be a good steward of your relationships, be a good good steward of your life. Working six days a week, resting one day of a week, that is a good steward. It's believing that God can do more in six days than you can in seven. And by the way, if you want to know how much God can do in six days, just go read Genesis 1. Just go read that one and you'll be convinced God is capable to do more in six than we can do in seven. It's the same in regards to tithing. Tithing is believing that God can do more with 90 or with 10% than what I can do with 100. Tithing is believing that God can do more with 10%, not 90%. Some of you were panicking. God can do more with 10% than what I can do with 100. And that's being a good steward. All good stewards... All good stewards do three things. All of them have these three things in common. Number one, they spend wisely. Number two, they save diligently. Number three, they give generously. Question, who have you given to besides yourself lately? So here's the first four: put God first, don't worship material things, don't use God's name selfishly, be a good steward. Number five: teach your children, teach your children about money and possessions and God's kingdom and how it works in God's kingdom. Teach them God's instructions. Teach them these ten instructions from God's word. Um, the The commandment it lines up with is honor your father and your mother. Now, honoring means they are going to to honor what you are doing because you have taught it to them. Why did God want children to honor their father and mother? Because that's where they're going to learn about God. That's where your children are learning about God and about how money works and how it affects your life. The way you talk about money, the way you hand parents, the way you handle money. Whether you give to the church, whether you are generous, the way you talk about it when you're around the house, are you a generous person to those people who are in need? If you are constantly saying things like, oh man, we just need more money. Our problems would be solved if we have more money. You know what you are doing? You are actually teaching your children that you are serving money. No, money is supposed to serve us as we serve God. Let your financials, The way that you are handling your financials, speak as a testimony to your children in relationship with God and let them see and know that you trust God first. Number six, I want to go fast because we've got four more left. Live on a budget. It goes a long way. Uh, I'm telling you, and it goes along with the sixth commandment also, you shall not murder. Now you try and figure out how does you shall not murder align with live on a budget? If you're not living on a budget, you're killing yourself. That's how. I had to try and connect them. But make sure you have God first as part of your budget. God has to be number one in your budget. Make sure that is there. The amount of stress and anxiety that that we create in our lives around money, it's killing people. Do you know that in Canada we have the highest debt rate in the world? We also have the highest depression rate in the world, which means we have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And it's all connected. And if you don't plan, if you don't have a plan with your finances, if you don't have a goal, you'll probably reach it. And many people are reaching it. And so many people don't have a plan. And that's all a budget is. A budget is simply a plan. Here's a great thing about a budget. A budget helps you to make financial decisions Without the emotional connection to that financial decision. Because it makes the financial decision for you. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. Done. Simple. Mr. Budget have spoken. A budget is like a map. It gives you direction. If you are lost, those of you that are lost financially, it's because you're not using a map. But here's the great thing you don't have to write your own map. All you have to do is ask for help. Go to people that you know that are financially, they are moving in the direction where you see your life where you wanna go. Go to professionals, even if you have to spend money to get a map and then follow the map, it's worth it. Number seven, live below your means. I wanna say that again. Live below your means. Exodus 20, you shall not commit adultery. So when you commit adultery, what you are doing is you are living outside of God's plans and purposes for your life. You are living above, based on your thoughts and your opinion, above where you are supposed to be. And it's the same way when you live above your means. The reason why people live above their means is contentment. They are not content. When you live above your means, Uh, When you buy things you can't afford, and I'm going to say it really strong. Um, What happens is you are basically shaking your fist in God's face, saying, God, I'm not content where you've placed me right now. I'm not content with what I have, and I'm just going to do things my way. And later on, then you pray, God, please help me. But living above your means means that you are placing yourself in a position, setting yourself up for trouble in the future. Paul writes the following. And the, and the root of that is contentment. So Paul writes the following in Philippians 4.11. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned to be content. Learned. I have learned. It means I can learn to be content. And how do you learn to be content? It starts with Thanksgiving. Start being thankful for what you have in your life and you see how contentment will enter into your heart and you will approach your finances and your world differently. Start with thanksgiving. Number eight, don't buy now and pay later. (laughs) This is probably the biggest problem in the world right now. Buying now and paying later. And, And the commandment it lines up with is, you shall not steal. Because it's stealing to spend money that you don't have. 80% of all tax refunds in our country are spent before people get them. 80% of people spend it. They don't have it yet, but they put it on their credit card. And then they start paying interest. And then they start paying interest. And then they amount's up what they thought they're going to have. And then they get into debt. God wired you. And God wired me. And, and, and I, it's kind of... I'm teaching this to my children, the anticipation of getting something, the hope of getting something. God wired us emotionally for hope. In Romans 8, 24, it says the following, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen or realized is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees and what he's already got? Why would you hope for something if you already have it? Now, Now, remember these two words. Delayed gratification. I don't think a lot of people have experienced that in the past few years. God wired you, it says in that scripture, to to look towards things in the future. To want something. To work for something. To wait for it. And then once you get it, oh the joy. The joy you have is so overwhelming because you had to wait for it. And work for it. And then you got it. But we don't live there anymore. We want it. We'll take the we, we'll little piece of plastic and we just swipe it. We want it now. I want it. I want it now. Amazon delivers Prime in two days. I get it. And you don't realize what you are actually doing with your joy. God wants us to have the joy that, that delayed gratification of knowing something's going to happen and don't live at the place where you buy now and pay later because you are spending yourself into trouble. Rather go for hoping for it, working for it, looking towards it. The the clinical definition of depression is a person who has lost hope. We need to bring hope back into our lives. Number nine, we're almost done. Be a good steward. Sorry, not a good steward, we've already had that one. Be a good witness. Be a good witness. Now this lines up with the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. If you're telling your neighbor about God and he's looking over your shoulder wondering, you're telling, man, God is so good to me. God is so good to my family. And he looks over your shoulders and he sees an old run down home, cars that's not working. That's a poor witness because your children's hungry. The clothes are torn. But... You have a brand new pickup truck standing on the street and your wife's old junker doesn't want to start and the house is run down, but hey, God's so good to us. That's not being a good witness because a good witness means that you're going to be a good father, a good husband. You're going to look after your resources. You're going to make sure that when people look at you, you're going to re- reflect God's goodness to them. We have to make sure our finances our finances, are a good witness to the community. What do I spend my finances on? Are you a good witness with your finances? So so here's the first nine. Put God first. Don't worship material things. Number three, don't use God's name selfishly. Number four, be a good steward. Number five, teach your children. Number six, live on a budget. Number seven, live below your means. I want to just say below your means again, because if you live within your means, it means that you're going to, that is a person who has the mindset of, God, bless me. I'm going to live within my means. A person who lives below their means, they have the mindset of, God, I'm, this is what I'm getting, and I can spend all of this and just spend up to there, but I want to live below this because my heart is to be a person that lives beyond blessed. I have room to be generous. If I live within my means, I don't. But when I live below them, I'm creating room in my life so that I can be a river, not a reservoir. Um, number eight, don't buy now and pay later. Number nine, be a good witness. And our last one, number 10, be content. It says you shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that's in your neighbor's house. Colossians 3 verse 5 says the following. And I want you to see what contentment or being or coveting Covering your neighbor's stuff. Um, What what Colossians says about it. Colossians 3 verse 5. Therefore put to death your members. Which are on the earth. In other words your desires. Now look at the list that covetousness is friends with. These are the things that you have to put to death. Put to death fornication. Uncleanness. Passion. And this passion is wrongful passion. Evil desires. And covetousness. Which is idolatry. Put these things away. You don't want them in your life. The reason it's idolatry is because whatever you are coveting, you are making an idol out of it. You want to know why? Because you don't buy a new car now when God tells you to buy it. You buy a new car because your neighbor has a new car. Your neighbor gets a new house, so you get a new house. Your neighbor gets new drapes, so you get new drapes. And what happens is because you are coveting everything that they have, your neighbor becomes your God. Society becomes your God. Culture becomes your God. Trends become your God. So you don't do what God tells you to do with your finances. You do what your neighbor tells you to do. Don't let someone else spend your money. Don't allow your money to determine if you're going to serve culture or not. Money serves us as we serve God. Let God tell you how to spend His money that you are a steward of. Spend wisely, save diligently, give generously. Now all these principles that we've talked about today, living below our means, living with contentment, not covering what someone else has, these are principles that God gave us to live a life of being beyond blessed. Remember, remember the word blessed means happy. And my prayer truly for all of you listening to this is that you are not simply happy and content with your life, but that you will discover that true blessing is when you start influencing, changing, and impacting other people's lives where they are also blessed and that happiness starts affecting you. I want us to be a body that lives our lives with the goal to bless other people. And I hope you will join me in that. Take these 10 instructions. Go listen to this scripture again or, or to this message again. Take the notes. Write the 10, 10 financial instructions down. Remind yourself of them daily and see how it will impact your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and for the incredible instructions we find in your word and the plans that you have for us and that we can know that they are good. And Father, I pray that you will give us the wisdom, the knowledge and the ability to follow all your instructions with the, with the purpose to be a blessing for other people. We love you, God. We love serving you. And I'm thankful that I can be your child. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray this. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.